Welcome to the British Online School podcast, where today we are going to be discussing education and esports. And we are joined by none other than Brendan Lee, the world's first esports champion in Formula One and has since gone on to win another world champion since. His name will be forever etched in history because he is the first person, as I've already said, to win the world title. Brendan, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you as well for the glowing intro. I think I think that's the best intro I've ever had in my career. Well, like I said earlier, when you first connected, you have got the best background ever to a podcast to be doing it with. <laughs> so before we begin this podcast, I, I have to say, I let all the students know uh, I went into a class and let all the students know that I'll be interviewing you today. And I got a reaction like I've, I've never had before. So I said, oh, tomorrow I'll be interviewing Brendan Leeds, the eSports uh, double world champion. And one girl went, oh, sorry, what was his name? And instantly another boy replied going, it's Brendan Leeds, 22, he's from Reading. And it instantly looked up everything about you. And I can't get him to work that quickly ever. <laughs> but as soon as I mentioned <laughs> eSports champion, they become the best researchers on the planet. So um, they're all very excited <laughs> to know I'm talking to you today. And they've actually put forward some questions. So if you don't mind, I could ask oh, yeah. at the end if that's okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, brilliant. Well, I think a big part of why they were so excited, Brendan, is because you are living the dream, really, of like every teenager out there at the moment, aren't you? You went from playing your PlayStation at two years old to world champion at 17. Like, how, how did that happen? Yeah, so... To be honest, as a kid, I got into motocross. That's really my core foundation of competitive competitiveness in my body, you know. Um, then they had a game called MX Versus TV Untamed on PlayStation 2, um, what I really, really loved. But then I had to stop real-life motocross when I was five or six years old. But I always kept on playing video games, and it was always racing games. Um, then... Codemasters make the current Formula One game. They made a Formula One game in 2010. And I was like, ah, ah, this is cool. This this, this is me. This is me. This is my name on the label. This is going to be good. Uh, so when I brought it and I've been playing the game every year since. Um, and I was training as a chef in 2017. And I saw that they launched the F1 Esports competition. I was like, Okay, this is my time. <laughs> this is what I want to do in my life. That's brilliant. Um, but so, would you say you played on games more than like normal people did during your school time, or was it just something you did in your spare time when you went out with your friends? I, I would say, yeah, I spent more time uh, gaming than socializing, let's say. Uh, all the way through school, this is actually a bit of a funny story. Um, I never went to a party in school, I never went to prom. Um, because every hour that I wasn't in school, let's say, I was at home training because I knew this is what I want to do in my life. This is this is something that's special to me. And I, I was very lucky as a young age to find that passion within myself. So everything that I did was dedicated to being a better driver. That's incredible. But so even from a young age, you thought your career was going to be gaming then? Because esports haven't been around for long, have they? So... How did you know that, right, even though I'm going to play all these games, it's going to pay off in the future? Well, at the time, I didn't really know, to be honest. Like, but I, I'm a big believer in make your own destiny, you know, and nice. there was never, there's never a certainty 
in anything. It doesn't matter if you're trying to be a professional footballer, professional Formula One driver. There's never a certainty that that can become a job. But all you can do is live your passion and do the best you can at it. And most importantly, have fun. And then if it becomes a job in the future, that's great. That's, that's your passion. And I think the saying is find a job you love and then you never work again. And that's what I was able to do. That's really inspiring. But how was your parents with it, though? Because obviously I know parents <laughs> and you hear it now, even though that the gaming world is becoming bigger and more lucrative and more jobs in it. But surely back in when you were a little bit younger, because I was about to say back when you were young, but you're still 22. So you're still super young. But how were your parents then with you spending all your time on games? Were they happy just to see you smiling doing it? Or did they ever try and get you off it? Uh, they tried to get me off it, <laughs> to be honest, because um, they didn't understand it. They didn't understand what I was doing because there's, I'm not even joking here when I say school would normally finish and maybe I would get home at like 4, 4.30, maybe 5 p.m. at the latest. And it would be from the second I get home to the second I sleep, maybe 10 or 11 o'clock at night, every hour apart from eating or drinking was on the simulator driving. So they were just like, why are you not socializing? Why are you not doing these normal things? But for me, okay, it was nice to go to maybe town or go out and have fun with my friends or whatever. But I was having more fun driving. <laughs> so <laughs> I was just following my dream. That's, that's really cool. I think because I think there can be such a negative stereotype, can't there be attached to people playing games and it's, they say it's bad for your health and whatever but it, it brought you genuine happiness then do you think and you never look back at your childhood thinking actually I do wish maybe I spent more time socializing have you got anything like that no no regrets to be honest like because I know everything I was doing was making me happy and core and true happiness comes from finding it in yourself it doesn't come from someone saying to you oh yeah that party seems like fun you sh you would enjoy that or you'd enjoy doing that core happiness going comes from you looking at effectively a blank piece of paper and writing what does my ideal day look like and my ideal day okay was drive video games all day but of course i had to make a compromise and go to school and learn but um my ideal time in my free time was drive and become a better driver <laughs> like that's what i was completely dedicated to oh, I, I, good for you and I, I do think a good on your parents as well even though you said they try and get you off it like just to have that sheer passion for something and go forward with it i think that's it's very inspirational but if we look at you your career now though it's it's not just gaming right like for people who look at your career and see that you obviously you're winning these games you're sat in I don't want to call it a game console because it looks a lot more complex than a games console <laughs> now. But is there more to it than just being good at the game? Is there any other skills or techniques you've had to perfect or learn along the way? Yeah, so I think the core of it is being good at what you do. It's the same as like a tennis or a football player. The core of it, you have to be good at hitting a tennis ball or hitting a football, or kicking a football, should I should say. But there's loads of techniques around it. Like I'm not an expert on football. I don't really follow it that much, but I know enough about football that I can kick a ball. I can kick a ball, but maybe Ronaldo would know the precise angle with the precise Newton meters. He has to hit the ball with his foot to make it curve, go around the goalkeeper and score the goal to win the, win the league, you know? And it's the same thing for me is 
anyone could probably drive, you know, they can drive with relative success, but it's to know all the finite details of making the car go faster because the average human blink time, I think, is three tenths, I think, is the human reaction time to blink. The average qualifying time between 20 of the best in the world is two tenths. So we're qualifying our cars in a closer window than people can blink. That's that's fascinating. And there were 66,000 people, weren't there, who entered into that first world championship that you won. Am I correct, aren't I? Yeah, those, those are the 66,000 people were registered, you know. So there was actually more people who drove and there was more people involved in it. But to register, you had to go to the website and insert your gamer tag, etc., etc. So there were 66,000 classified registers, but there was more behind the scene, if you see what I mean. All right. Okay. So, and I've got to ask, when you won that first world title, did you already have a driving license? Like what came first, the world title or the driving license? Uh, No, the world championship came first. And fun (laughs) fact, so I actually drove a racing car before I drove a road car. Um, And it was quite funny because there's this racetrack called Bedford Autodrome. Um, And I went there to do a driving day. They wanted to see what I could do in a real car, basically. And we I wasn't driving obviously I was in the passenger seat and we were pulling up and the person who was organizing it sent me a text message like you haven't driven a real car before question mark exclamation mark question mark exclamation mark and I was like no I thought you knew this (laughs) (laughs) have you now got your driving license yeah yeah I have it's uh, it's much better to have than not did it improve your racing at all honestly in some ways yes because on the road, you have to be very calm, you have to be very calculated, and you have to predict quite a lot as well. And you have to see, there's actually a lot of similarities between racing and being on the road. Of course, maybe you don't go 200 miles an hour on the road, or at least I hope people don't. Um, but the way that you have to look really far ahead, you have to predict the traffic light change, or you have to predict other people's movements. That's a, quite similar to how my brain's already functioned with how everything I do in racing. So... It was a natural transition from a race car to a road car in terms of feeling everything, what I had to do. It was just not going 200 miles an hour down a back road, let's say. <laughs> yeah, that's, mate, that's a very good point. Um, so you've driven real F1 cars though, or something similar, haven't you? I was looking on your Instagram. You're, you're not just in the, um, the sort of computer simulation, are you? You're on the track and you do do, is that racing or just trialing the cars? So racing, yeah. So I haven't driven a Formula One car yet. I, I plan to in the future. Uh, that's my goal. Um, but so, yeah, I the fastest real life racing car I've driven is British Formula Four. And that is three steps away from Formula One. Um, so obviously you have your if you want to get to Formula One, your general progression ladder is you do karting until you may be 15 or 16 years old then you do british formula 4 british formula 3 um or fia f3 fia f2 and then you get to formula 1 right and so do you race them for fun or do you just race them to test them or drive sorry do you drive um, them for fun or drive it just to test them oh of course it's always fun but i'm planning to make a career in real life racing as well uh so we should touch wood uh providing some opportunities happen do more real life racing this year at silverstone and then next year do a full campaign in real life racing oh that's really cool when you say we what's what's the we 
the we is the team behind me because I think a lot of people only see myself on the camera. Um, but I have a really good team of people behind me. My manager, the team also here at Ferrari are behind me 110%. So you, no matter who you are, if you're playing darts or football, no matter what, if someone says, I, I am successful, they're lying. They're not telling the truth um, because it's we. There's always a we. There's a team. And so when you say like the team at Ferrari, are you with the Formula One races as well? Or is that your own esports sort of like quarters or is there a big Ferrari headquarters? Because where are you now? I'm guessing you must be somewhere to Ferrari now, right? Yeah, yeah. So I'm living in Maranello, what is the home place of the Ferrari factory. Um, but so we have our own esports team within the Ferrari Formula One team. So... Ferrari dedicated some of their employees to running the esports team. So it shows that they're really serious about this. They're not just throwing random people into the team. They're hand selecting the best people to go into the esports team. Right. Okay. And do you, do you meet the Formula One drivers as well? Have you sort of traded tips with them? Uh, yeah, I've met them a few times. Uh, they're both nice people. And sometimes we trade tips and basically the differences between the simulator and the real car and it actually comes out that the simulator and the real car are basically the same really what so have yeah. the drivers driven your sort of simulated cars as well and said oh this is this feels familiar yeah yeah exactly so like the lap times are pretty close and the way that you have to drive the car and get the lap time out of it is the same of course in real life you have the g-forces so like something that not a lot of people realize about racing real life cars in formula one is the g-force is extreme so going through many corners you maybe pull 5g and depending on how much your head weighs and how much the helmet weighs for two to three seconds you could have up to 40 maybe 50 kg inserted to your neck you know so if you can imagine some people weigh 40 50 kg you know so if you imagine someone effectively standing on the side of your neck for two three seconds and doing that 18 times a lap for an hour and a half <laughs> like that's what f1 drivers have to deal with oh wow okay so but you've not always been with ferrari have you You're also with mercedes like, that, that's two yeah. big car companies that you've got the attention of what what was your secret or is it just generally you were just so good that they came to you or did you approach them of course, there's always a marriage in the middle. It takes two to tango, I think is the right way to say it. Um, but my secret is just be quick, be passionate, you know. Like, I think there's a lot of attributes that I've worked on. So now I've really worked on my presenting skills, my ability to present well to the sponsors. Uh, so that helps me a lot. But you're not going to get to Formula One without being quick. Let's put it that way. Okay. And when you say you've done a lot to sort of, what was it? I can't remember how you just worded it, but to present yourself to sponsors, did you say? Was that what you said? Yeah. What? Yeah. So like the sponsors are very critical in Formula One because Formula One is a very expensive business to, I think the budget cap now this year is like 150 million per year. What a crazy amount of money. Uh, before they were running well up to like half a billion, I, um, 500 mil, half a bill. Uh, to run a year but now they've brought it down to 150 million to make it more sensible but sponsors are very critical in this because the sponsor like our own esports team have our own office uh complex here you know so like you can't really see it behind me but we have like off we have like basically a full office to ourselves so obviously the sponsors need to be someone to pay for it um so you might be able to see it a little bit behind me but i have like a sponsor board behind me at the moment um 
And of course, the sponsors want the best from you. They want to present, they want to sell the product through you. So if you're not presenting yourself well when you don't present the way that you speak and the way that you talk to the sponsors and promote their product, they might not want to work with you. So the best way to ensure your future is be quick and also be good with the sponsors. All right. Okay. Well, those students who are listening, there's a bit of a tip there for you to get ahead of the game. So when you talk about the Ferrari F1 budget, though, is that, are you under that budget as well? Um, no. So the eSports team has a different budget. So we're not budget cap limited like Formula One is. Of course, we don't spend 150 million a year, though. If my salary was 150 million, I'd be laughing. But <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Um, so... I something when you type in your name, the first thing that comes up is obviously the esports Formula One uh, bio, and the first sentence in it says that you lost twenty kg in preparation for the two thousand eighteen uh, championship. Yeah. Game. I was wondering wh- why did they highlight that? Was that a necessity that you had to get that, or was that a personal choice that you made? It seems like a strange oh, thing, was- first thing the the thing yeah. says. That was a personal choice and the website's a little bit out of date to be honest because obviously now it's 2021 and that quote was actually from 2018 but so in the start of 2018 end of 2017 um i put on a bit of weight because obviously i was just focusing on the gaming all the time in truthfulness it wasn't maybe the healthiest decision or anything along that line so by the start of 2018 i made the decision that okay i want to live a healthier life i want to be better as well uh, so I made the dedication to lose the weight, basically, and I lost 20 kg in like six months. Um, and then it actually transpired that I was a bit happier and also performed better on track with it. Oh, cool. Because that was going to be my next question, actually. Like, did you feel because we focus massively on mental and physical well-being in the school, especially yeah. in an online school, obviously, there's that less sort of moving around the school and that. And my question was going to be, did you feel sort of a transformation in yourself just by transforming your diet and exercising more regularly. Oh yeah, for sure. Like it, it actually blew my mind quite a lot. The the amount of power that food and nutrition and exercise has mentally. Before I underestimated it, but like two examples of it is now that dairy and red meat is the hardest for your body to digest. It takes the most energy. So I don't. I haven't stopped eating dairy and I haven't stopped eating red meat. But I eat them much, much less now. Uh, dairy, I maybe have like once every two weeks, red meat, about the same. And it's these little details that maybe for a test or exam or a critical race, I won't have dairy and I won't have red meat because I know it will take energy. My gut will be taking more energy what I need to be using in the rest of my body. So all of these little details add up. And I highly recommend for the students, to be honest, that when they're building up to a big exam or if they're having a football match or whatever their desired thing that they want to do is, look at what you like in your diet, what makes you happy, what makes you mentally happy, um, and then have that the day before slash the morning of. And trust me, it will make you perform that one, two percent better nice yeah that's fascinating obviously about and was that the team ferrari or mercedes maybe when you were with that helped you through that or was that all a personal discovery and you did yourself oh no so that was when i was with mercedes of course and they did help me through it and they've been very good to me i have to admit like i was with them for three years and those three years like i i will hold those memories for all of my life to be honest um 
And like I say, they were very good to me. They educated me a lot and they took me in as the family, to be honest. Oh, very nice. Um, so with all that, all that you've done then, what, what's next for Brendan Lee? I mean, like you're 22, two times world champion. Where, and you've already mentioned that you want to go down the um, Formula One track, but where would you see yourself in five or 10 years? Like, how could you become more successful than what you already are? To be honest, uh, I don't care about being more successful, let's say. I just want to continue being happy. Like, um, that's literally just my focus in life is if if I continue being happy, and I know I'll continue being happy because that's the direction I want to go, but if that brings more success, more trophies, more money, so be it. But I'm not looking at it as in five years I want to be a millionaire or I want to have this many trophies. I just look at it as enjoy every day for what it is. And if it brings success or whatever success is defined to that person, because I personally don't define success by money or trophies or a nice car. I define success by that person looks happy. They're successful. That's such a nice take on it. Um, especially for someone who's like you've had actual like what I know you don't say it's what you class success but like trophies and accolades to to hear someone still say it's all about being happy I think that's such a, a really nice thing to hear and um, like I say at such a yeah. young age you can see sometimes if young people get what they want too soon it can sort of turn a different way but to hear that is I think that's a really nice heartwarming thing for you to say yeah like the actual truth of it is is before 2017 I remember it really well so we obviously flew to Abu Dhabi to do the finale. And before before it, I was thinking, oh, if, if I win this, my life is going to be amazing. I'm going to be so happy and like everything about it. And don't get me wrong, I was happy about winning it. So I went there, then, okay, this makes it sound so simplistic, but we were able to win it. That is a really overly simplistic way of saying it. <laughs> but then I came home and I had this about half a week, a week of euphoria feeling still of like, waking up like was that a dream did I still win (laughs) but then after a week like I was still happy that I won but then I realized that wow having this trophy having this status doesn't bring happiness you know happiness is defined by what you are deep down and you can't fake happiness so like in summary of it like before I left, I was expecting, uh, if you go and win this, your life is going to be amazing. You're going to be so happy. You're going to be the happiest guy on the planet. I won it. I was happy. And I was still happy after winning it. But I realized, yeah, it's cool to have a trophy. Yeah, it's cool to have a status. But all of it doesn't matter. All it is is just something to put next to your CV and just focus on the true smile of the person rather than what they've done. Oh, nice. Very, very, very nice indeed. So after saying all that and everything you've been through, um, obviously we are a school, so I'm going to move on to a bit of an educational question now. Do you believe that all your happiness and the success in, in the esporting world, did any of that come or stem from your school education? I would say in some ways, yes. I would say 20% of it in a way, but it wasn't really the education of school that made me better of a driver let's say like doing drama class didn't maybe it made my interviews a bit better but maybe it didn't uh, make me a faster driver but um but the 20 percent what i talk about actually comes from the life experience that i maybe got from the teachers you know uh because i think the teacher isn't there just to teach math or english or pe but it's 
to teach you a bit of life, you know, and I'm sure this person won't mind me saying his second name. Uh, but I remember I had this PE teacher, I think, year eight and onwards called Mr. Polinko. I went to a field green school um, and this guy was a legend. He is a legend. <laughs> like, so I remember he sat there in front of us so basically we took too long everyone took too long to get changed and everyone was taking taking the mick basically um so he, he as soon as we finished or uh, eventually when we finished all getting changed he took us outside and went my five-year-old daughter dresses herself in the morning already and you guys can't get changed within 20 minutes push-ups <laughs> like and it wasn't so much the thing of punishing us but it was teaching us the responsibility of because you wasted 20 minutes of your time and my time as well, you need the discipline now um, to show that next time. And trust me, next time we were quick. <laughs> we, we was in and out. We was doing PE within five minutes. Um, but the teachers, uh, like I say, are not only there to teach you the education of the maths or English or science, whatever. But it's to teach you little nuggets of life information, how to hold yourself, how to be, how to control a room also, because I think a lot of students take it in a bad way. I certainly did actually in school as well, but it was only recently I learned it that, you know, if, a teach, if the students are behaving badly in the class, now I sort of think back and watch and educate myself how the teacher takes back control of the class, because I assure the students that when you're working in 10, 20 years time, and maybe you're a manager, a boss, or just an employee or whatever, if people aren't taking you seriously, try and replicate what the teacher's doing, you know, to take back control and respect the class. Right. And, and do you think you do that a lot then in your competitions or in training or like say when you're talking to sponsors? Oh yeah, hundred percent. Because like you, you have to know how to hold yourself and there, you have to be confident with yourself, but you also have to have a good handshake. Okay, maybe the handshake is less needed now with COVID. You need a good fist bump, let's say. Um, but you need a good fist bump, good handshake, whatever you want to do. But you need to hold yourself and you need to present yourself well. The way that you hold yourself, you know, the way that your spine is held up, you're stood tall, you're looking directly into the eyes with confidence. It's all these little nuggets, like I say, that the teachers helped. Not I don't know if they know that they helped it, but they definitely helped it. I've, uh, coming from a teacher's perspective, I'm sure a lot of us, uh, a lot of them will be happy to hear that those sort of underlying messages are coming through. And sometimes most will be, yeah, like you say, not deliberately, but um, it's nice to see that things like that are being picked up on. And there's those little nuggets of stuff coming up, as you say. But is there anything you wished you were taught in school then that you wasn't, that you think would have helped you achieve this success quicker? I think how to manage yourself, um, because I think there's, okay, you go to school and you learn English, math, etc. But I think, at least I didn't learn it, maybe other schools and maybe other classes did. But I didn't really learn how to have confidence in myself. There wasn't really a class about this is what life is going to be like when you get outside this is how you pay your car tax this is how you do an mot this is how you pay your tax so i have a private limited company and that's how i get paid i wasn't ever taught in school 
any foundations of that. So I had to go and learn it all myself after. So I think something that would be useful in school is have a life lesson, you know, maybe once, twice a week, whatever is appropriate about, okay, this is what's happening in school right now. This is what you don't need to worry about now. But as soon as you turn 18, 19, or as soon as you get a job, you're going to have to worry about this. And preparing people for that time, I think, is very critical. Nice. Yeah. A lot of people say that actually in those podcasts, it's that sort of, a lot of that you're talking about was financial issues, wasn't it, really? Yeah, because I think, okay, my everyone was always telling me in school, like, these are the best years of your life. And I was like, yeah, we'll see when I'm getting paid and I can buy an Xbox. Like, <laughs> that, that's what I was thinking. But um, but no, it's, it's truthful. Like, the best years of your life, the easiest years of your life is actually in school because, you know, you get waking up by an alarm or your parents knock on your door like, hey, come on, let's go to school. Let's have a nice day. Like, and then you get driven to school, you get the bus for free because someone else is paying for it. You get your clothes for free because someone else is paying for it. You get your lunch for free because someone else is paying for it. Then you get your ride home for free because someone else is paying for it. You get your dinner for free because someone else is paying for it. And you know what? You get your bed for free as well. And you know what? You don't have to pay rent at the end of the end of the month. So you live for free, you know, like, okay, sometimes it can be stressful having to do your homework or your, your exams. But preparing for life after and knowing how to walk into an interview and get that job, bang. How do you prepare for an interview? How do you uh, get ready for all these little life events? How do you get ready for your first paycheck? I remember when I first got my first paycheck and I was put onto the wrong. This is when I didn't have a private limited company and I was training as a chef. I got put onto the wrong. I can't remember the exact term of it, like tax code. So for my first month, I got paid under because the tax code was too high. Uh, I, I got put into the bracket above me for some reason. So then I had to wait an extra month to get that money back, then get put into the right tax code. Um, and all that stuff could have been maybe avoided if I knew about it before. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think that's really good. Although you just mentioned that you would buy an Xbox, but I see you're sat on a PlayStation chair. So are you team <laughs> PlayStation? <laughs> I'm team PC now uh, because oh, that's right, where okay. we do our competitions on. But all the time until I had a PC, I was always Xbox. So we can make a debate in school about that one, though. <laughs> I'll, put, I'll hold you to that. You can you can um, chair it. <laughs> um, so that's, <laughs> that's really fascinating to hear about your your sort of like what you wish you learned at school because it is, it is a very very common thing, um, and obviously finance is is such a big thing, and that is what we're trying to bring at the school. So it's it's really interesting for you to bring that up. Um, before I move on to our final two questions, like I mentioned at the beginning, is it okay to pass on some questions that the students had for you? Yeah, 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 yeah. So the first one comes from a year 10 student and it says, did you have anyone you looked up to uh, within the gaming industry as you were growing up? The gaming industry, not really, uh, to be honest, but always growing up and especially recently, I got into Formula One about 2007, 2008, and I love Jim Clark. For anyone who researches Jim Clark, basically he's his Formula One world champion, most one of the most gifted naturally drivers ever, one of the most successful as well. And but he was a sheep farmer while being a Formula One driver. And the thing what I love about it is being humble. You know, he was a Formula One driver, megastar, you know, in the racing world. Face was everywhere, name was on billboards, sort of thing. But 
he didn't want to go and boost his ego between races. He wanted to go back home to Scotland and do sheep farming, you know, and that sort of loops back around to what I said earlier about just doing what makes you happy. A lot of people would see it like, wow, I can, I can get my name in a newspaper. I can do this where he was like, I can go and I can go and shear my sheep, (laughs) you know, um, but in the gaming industry, not really, to be honest, because I wasn't following any other games at that time. I still don't. I just follow motorsport. But I'd say looking up to generally, um, I'd say Lewis Hamilton and Jim Clark. Okay, very nice. Um, and another question comes from, uh, what the, what's the average day as an esports um, player? So my average day at the moment, um, so I'd wake up and... Normally, what I do at the moment is a 10K run in the morning uh, to get myself going. But that isn't really necessary. That's something that I've built up with over time. So I don't I don't recommend someone just thinking, right, I'm going to run 10K every day. Um, but if you build up to it, then it's OK. Otherwise, you might get injured. But um, after that, so maybe I have lunch or whatever. I have some food. But I come and drive my simulator for between six and eight hours a day. And what I do in that time is... I'm trying to improve myself as a driver. So I'm looking at telemetry. I'm trying to improve the car feedback, trying to improve myself mentally as well. So when I'm under pressure and stuff is getting stressful to keep my cool, you know, you've got to perform in these high stress situations. Um, so that's what I do for six to eight hours. And then maybe I'll do a live stream on Twitch in the afternoon to interact with my fans a bit more. If not, I'll go home and do some more workout. Uh, so I'll do a strength workout with push-ups, crunches, et cetera, et cetera um then go to sleep and repeat <laughs> rinse and repeat right now i'm gonna throw in a question here just because parents are even when i used to play i was mainly fifa when i was younger but they always said staring at tv for that long is gonna not be very good for your eyes now you've been doing this for years now i guess you must have seen doctors or specialists and is that true or is that an old wives tale honestly i don't know if it's true like i don't want to give any advice on it because like uh, general advice because i don't know how it affects other people's bodies but from my experience like i say i've been playing games my whole life and last year i went to this specialist in northampton and they scanned my eyes they did a proper in-depth review of my eyes looking at the back of my eye. okay they didn't take my eye out of course <laughs> but um they have uh, machines where they basically send light through your eyes and then they can basically see the back of it um they did every single test that they could do it was a private doctor as well so really professional really high level and the only thing they said about my eyes was they're a tiny bit dry they said every other bit of my eye was perfect like 2020 vision 100 perfect like the only thing they said is because i'm when i'm driving and when i'm intensely focused i'm maybe only blinking once every 40 50 seconds maybe like because that's just how much adrenaline going through the body and if you see it in real formula formula one as well the drivers only blink on the straight because everything's happening so fast in the corners that we don't have time to blink so every time in the corners we never blink so if we have a section of corners like monaco is probably the most extreme example you're driving around the street track with barriers either side of you at like 180 miles an hour you don't you don't don't want to blink at that point uh, because if you blink you crash um so that's the only thing they said was my eyes were a little bit dry, but since then I've sorted it. 
Oh, okay, that's fascinating. Um, yeah, next question then, so move away from my own questions. Next question is, how do you handle the stress and pressure of being a professional F1 esports player? It's a good question, to be honest. Um, it's different for everyone, and I'm much better now at handling the stress and the pressure than I was before. Before, I, I sometimes let other people get to me in that way. Um, and what I mean by it is, if you're playing football, tennis, whatever you're doing in life, you're doing it because you enjoy it. You're not doing it because someone said to you, oh, you'll be all right at that. Go do it. No, you're doing it and you're putting yourself committed to it because you, you want to do it. And it's okay to listen to people giving you positive advice, but you need a filter in your mind that um, goes, this person's trying to help me, so I'm going to let them in. This person isn't trying to help me. They're just trying to be negative towards me. They've given me negative energy. So I'm going to ignore that person. Like, not to be rude, but you have to make a separation mentally between someone who's trying to help you and someone who's trying to hurt you. Because we have to be honest here, not everyone in, in the world is a nice person. And some people, my competitors especially, my failure is their success, you know? So you have to realize who's trying to bring you down in life and who's actually trying to help you to get up. And once you make those separations between help, someone helping you and trying to hurt you, dealing with the pressure is actually much easier because man my manager, for example, Edward, of course, he's had the best intentions for me because he's my manager. So if I'm having something mentally that I need to deal with, then I can go to him and say, hey, look, I had this situation, can I have some advice on this? Whereas if I went to my competitor, my rival, they would go, oh, this is the opportunity to trip him up, isn't it? <laughs> so they would, they would say, oh, no, no, do this, do this, do this. And lo and behold, it was the wrong advice. Right. So it's filtering out the good from the bad then with this, how you handle the stress and pressure. Very nice. Um, I think this one sort of comes into it as well, a similar sort of question. But it's like, what, what feeling do you have when you're standing up there in the stadium with all the commentators around you and all that? Do you know... It's the weirdest feeling in the world because, like, it's like an out-of-body experience, really, honestly. Because, um, like, I take myself when I was on the podium in 2017 in Abu Dhabi. This is the first time. And I remember um, on the podium going a little bit lightheaded. And I was sort of like, not, you can't really see it on the footage, but, like, a little bit wavy, you know, sort of moving left to right a little bit and because I was sat there not really connected to my body anymore and my mind was just like what is going on here you know you see these like uh quite a lot like Christmas films where like they they have the outer body and maybe they're a ghost or whatever for the movie aren't they um and then they're looking down on themselves but it literally felt like that where I was looking down on myself and I was like what just happened like and <laughs> And no, no word of a lie. Like I went to bed that night of winning the championship, and I woke up the next day thinking, "What?" I literally, I felt, I, I felt like it was a dream. And the only time I realised it wasn't a dream is when I saw the trophy again. I was like, "Oh yeah, this, this happened. That's, that's pretty cool." <laughs> Brilliant. Um, and one final question, which I think is a nice one, is what would you tell new esports or F1 players coming through? Have fun. Just have fun because it's a long and it's a really difficult road. I'm not going to sugarcoat it to get to the top of anything you do in the world. If you want to be the best at anything in the world, 
you're going to have to work for it, you know, and you're going to have to dedicate yourself to it. Um, so, but the key to it is having fun. So if I, okay, we have like the young drivers in, in the FDA at the moment, uh, what help us train on simulators where we help them prepare for their future. If it wasn't fun for them, why do they want to wake up and spend eight hours doing something that isn't fun? You know, sure, it's nice to be famous or have the fame or whatever, but if it isn't fun, you don't want to do it. You don't want to dedicate yourself to it. But if you're having fun doing it, you wake up every day and you think, I want to do this. I'm going to go straight away and I want to be better than I was yesterday. Whereas if you wake up and go, uh, I meant to start at 2 p.m., so I'm going to start at 2.05 and... Yeah, I can't wait for this day to be over. You're not going to improve. You're better off going off and doing something that you're going to have fun with. Nice. Very nice indeed. Um, right. And final two questions from me, although I keep looking at that steering wheel and that's a lot of <laughs> the technology on that. Do you have to learn all of that and set that all before you play just before we, we move on? Because it looks like an incredible yeah. piece of kit. Yeah, I can't remember exactly how many buttons we have on it. Uh, one, <laughs> two, three, four, five, six, seven eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. 18 buttons straight away, and most of these are multi-function buttons. So like three of these have like 12 functions to them as well. Like if you can see in the middle, the one I'm at the moment has a multi-function to it. But you just have to learn it before. And to be honest, now when driving, I don't look at it. I just know off by memory, I need to press this button or this button or this button. And I never take my eyes off the screen. Ah, fair enough. Brilliant. But I had to ask because I saw it there. Um, anyway, so final two questions that I ask everyone. The first one being, what is your fondest memory from your time at school? Do you know what? It's a weird one. Um, and the truth of it is my fondest memory and my most life changing memory actually is I got bullied quite a lot in school, to be honest. Um, and but I OK, in the time it was negative and it wasn't a nice time. But now I use it as my power, you know, I, I use that negativity. My way of life is I use negative energy and convert it into positive energy to go do what I want to do. And the most life changing moment I had was when the people bullying me put me in a bin. So I remember it quite well. And at the time, of course, it wasn't nice. But I remember that time where I was feeling a bit vulnerable. I was feeling a bit sad. But then I remember distinctly, really distinctly, that that got put in the back of my brain. And I thought, okay, I'm going to be the best at what I do. Whatever I want to do in life, I'm going to be a badass at it, you know? Like, I'm going to really commit myself to it. And I remember fondly, like, in the end of the 2017 World Championship, I was, it wasn't looking too good to win the championship, basically. I remember... And in these times in life, when you really want something badly, but it's not going to plan, you dig deep. You dig really deep into the reserve of your brain. I remember so well that on the final laps, I was saying to myself, and I still have this drive actually a little bit, but in a different way, that these people put you down, prove yourself, prove yourself, come on. Like, and, it, and without meaning to, those negative people, what I don't have any emotion to, I don't hold any hate to anymore because it's pointless to hold emotions to people in that way but these people by trying to put me down in life earlier inadvertently made me stronger as a person 
Wow, that's such such a that wasn't what I was expecting when you said what's your <laughs> memory. It wasn't being put in the right. bin, but the, the the fact that you can use it and what I can't remember exactly how you said it, but what turned negative energy into positive energy was what that's yeah. so that, I was gonna say, like I look at I look at my body and my emotions like a fireplace, let's say. And the smoke or whatever coming out the chimney is what you output, you know. That's what I'm speaking at the moment. The smoke in the chimney is what I'm outputting. The fire at the bottom of it is your gut, your, you know, your heart, your soul. And do you really want to put, like, um, we all see, like, if we're looking at smoke, like the, the white smoke and the beautiful smoke, that's always in, like, uh, cartoons, isn't it? That's meant to, the white smoke of, like, a... Uh, of like a steam chain is meant to be a happy, you know, it's, it signifies good, doesn't it? But yeah. then when you see like the really dark smoke come out of like coal factories or whatever, everyone looks at it and goes, oh, the pollution coming off that. I don't want to be stood in that. Why, why output your body with the bad pollution? You know, you have a choice and my choice, and no matter what you do in life, you have a choice. You have a choice to be happy or not. And of course that sounds so simple, but it's true. And I had a choice to be happy or not. I could have sat there and I could have been feeling sorry for myself. Uh, uh, how come life did this to me? And I feel so bad for myself. And uh, like I'm going to go and cry some more. Okay, I did cry in that time. I'm not going to lie. It's not Crying isn't a bad thing. But I sat up and went, no, I'm going to output as much positive energy into the world that I can. Because what you put out into the world is also what the world gives you. If you notice... I noticed that actually one or two years ago, if you're having a bad day and you're like, well, for whatever reason, maybe you didn't sleep well and you're in a bad mood. All of a sudden, you always hit your toe on the door. You always hit your elbow on a chair or you always hit your head on the on the desk or the or the shelf, don't you? It always happens, <laughs> but it never happens on a good day, does it? You never have it on a good day. On a good day, you think, oh, that was close to my foot. Oh, that was close to the shelf. But you never hit your head, do you? And it's what you put out is what you get in. And I actually see it now that if I do something silly, um, like yesterday, uh, I was a bit frustrated and I I didn't do it bad. Luckily, I got away with it. But I curbed, I curved my uh, tire onto the curb on in the parking space. And I looked at it and went, yeah, why am I in such a rush? I've got my whole life. Me taking two seconds longer to park my car. Why am I stressing? Like, and that's my point is if I wasn't stressing in that situation, I wouldn't have curbed my car. You know, I wouldn't have curbed my tire. So every bit of emotion and a bit of energy that you put out into this world in some way or another will reflect and come back to you. Nice. Very nice. I think if you're, if you ever want a break from esports, I think you could do a very good uh, job as a uh, motivating speaker. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that was some lovely stuff you said there. Now you've sort of touched on this this final question a lot throughout what you said with a lot of the positive stuff you said. So see if you can try and condense it. Uh, I reckon, like, because you've said so many things that I think you will think you've already answered this question. But it's if you could pass on one bit of advice to any person in school at the moment, and I'm going to tailor this question a little bit to you, especially those who are being bullied or feel down right now what's that one piece of big advice like i say you've given some great stuff throughout the whole interview but if you could just put it down maybe one sentence what would that one sentence you'd wish you could pass on to them well firstly 
I think it's important to touch on why people bully each other. You know, then I can answer. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, I think it's a very important topic. Go for it, please. So people bully people because it sounds corny. It sounds typical, but they're jealous of you. They're jealous of whatever reason. You see, the, the typical thing is that the person who spends all their time educating himself in the library gets bullied, don't they? That that's yeah. that's the normal it's sad, but it's normal. But why? Because the bully doesn't have the discipline mentally to do that themselves. It's the kid who has the discipline mentally and the drive to go in instead of going and doing something stupid in the break or the lunch and sit in the library to better their life for the future. They're jealous that they don't have that discipline. And that's why they feel like they need to lower your standards to their standards. So if you're being bullied, just remember the reason that you're being bullied is because they're actually fundamentally jealous of you. Because no matter whether the difference is, I'll look at the camera this way. Let's say this hand, the higher hand is you. The bully is always morally behind you if they're bullying you. No matter what what the situation is, if they're bullying you because your clothes, your parents' wealth or their car, doesn't matter. Or your ability to educate yourself better than them. It's because they are physically, mentally behind you in whatever way. And they're jealous of that. So you have to remember the reason that the bully's doing it and use it as your fire. You know, use it as your passion, use it as your drive. And if they're bullying you because you're educating yourself better than them, go, okay, I'm not, what's the saying? I learned the saying a few weeks ago and I love it. And it was, um, it was, I can't remember exactly, but it was, don't, um, don't charm them with happiness. Um, Don't charm them with happiness. Uh, I need to remember it. This is such a good quote. It's such a good quote. I'll remember it in a second. It's on the tip of my tongue. Um, what's the saying there? Don't charm them with happiness. Punish them with success. Something like that. You Very know? nice. And like, it's not the exact quote. Um, I think it was Mike Tyson who said it or something. But so don't get me wrong. It's not the exact quote, but it's something like that, you know. Um, and the thing what remedies with me is punish them with success. You know, like, and... I wish the best. I Honestly, I wish the best for the people who bullied me in school. I don't wish them a bad life. I don't wish anyone a bad life. But I also know that they stalk me on social media. The <laughs> same people who bullied me. Because I see them. They always like my photos. They always like my, my posts. And they follow my stories on Instagram. So I know that they're following me, you know. And maybe they read see this podcast. I don't know. But... Or they maybe see a podcast that I do in the future and I talk about them. I'm not going to name them because they don't deserve to be named. But they're they're being punished by my success in a way, aren't they? You know, yeah. like and I don't I don't wish negativity on them. I don't want to sound negative here. But I could have took a I could have taken a decision where uh, I'm going to be the same as them and I'm I'm going to ruin my life by bullying people and being negative as a person. But I went no, I'm going to make myself happy by making myself successful but also when we do this um school reunion in 30 40 years and they turn up as a non-developed person from school and i call a non-developed person someone who left school and still is meant to the same age that they when they left it even if they're 40 or 18 and then 
and they they see the fact that I've been able to grow into a better person. It's pretty satisfying. I'm not going to lie. Um, but can you repeat the question? The, the, the it's one sentence of advice, isn't it? Uh, well, question. I mean, you've said so much there, which is fascinating. But yeah, it was if you could give that one bit of advice. But I mean, don't feel any pressure to put yeah. it down to one sentence. Yeah, I, I don't feel pressure. Um, <laughs> so now I'm trying to think of one. Like one of my favorite quotes, it was actually on the F1 website, if I can remember it correctly. And it's start by doing what's necessary. Then do what's possible. And suddenly you're doing the impossible. Oh yeah, is that yeah. on your Instagram account as well, isn't it? I think, isn't it? I was looking. I think. I think. So. Media, yeah. Like, and I love the quote, and I love it as a driving factor because, let's be honest, like my my goal actually in fitness is to run a hundred mile race. I want to run a hundred mile race. It sounds a bit crazy, but I know the mental gain I'll do from it is going to be amazing, and it's something I enjoy, and I want to run it for charity as well, but. I, I can do it right now because the mind is much more powerful than you think. I can do it right now. I can get up and run 100 miles. It will really hurt me. <laughs> it will really hurt me. But it's possible. And at the start, I take this back to the start of my fitness journey. At the end of 2017, when, before I lost the 20kg and before I was quite fit. Um, if you ask me then, I couldn't. I remember, actually, I said to myself, OK, I'm going to go running today. So I put on the shorts, I put on the, t I put on the like uh, running shirt, I put on some trainers. I got outside my house and I ran for what must have been 600 meters. I thought, I was out of breath. I was like, oh my, oh my, this isn't for me. So I walked home, I walked home the 600 meters, sat down. And then I thought, no, I'm what seems impossible now doing 700 meters seemed impossible to me on that run that's why i stopped but now i run um 60 kilometers a week with 3800 and no 3084 feet of elevation every week that would have been impossible to me back then so what i did was started by doing what's necessary by going out even if i'm walking 10 kilometers to get my body you know, get my body ready and then uh, start by doing what's necessary. Then you do what's possible. And the possible is, OK, now I'm starting. Now I'm starting to get into it. You know, now I can now maybe once a week I can run 10K or I can do this. But then with a blink of an eye, I'm doing what I thought was impossible. You know, and you just keep on driving yourself. And I live actually with the fitness now by like a 20, 30 percent rule. Uh, not so much in running, but with the weights that I do. So with my weight training session, what I aim to do is every week, every two weeks or whatever, when my body feels ready, add 30% onto it, you know? So at the start of it, uh, so now my fitness routine, every two days, I do 150 push-ups, 150 crunches, 90 bicep curls, 120 chest presses, um, and 90 Russian twists. That was impossible to me before. But the brain is so, so powerful and you have to, you have to, you, you know, you have to harness it. And every time when I'm working out, I listen to Rocky. I love it. You know, I love, so I know I'm, I know I'm baffling on a bit uh, because you meant, you said only a sentence, but <laughs> I love Rocky. I love it. And 
my favorite scene from Rocky is the, I think it's the 14th round in the first one. You know, when he's fighting Apollo and, and Apollo, uh, if you watch the scene, I think it's the 14th round anyway. You know, Apollo knocks him down and he's on the floor. Everyone's saying, stay down, stay down, stay down. And, and he gets back up, doesn't he? Yeah. And he gets up and he turns around. And if you watch closely, Apollo's face is like, oh, who is this guy? I just knocked him to the floor. I beaten him with an inch of his life for 14 rounds and he gets back up. No, no one in my life have I seen get back up. I want to be that guy who gets back up no matter what, no matter what life throws at me, no matter the difficulties I have, I'm getting back up. And that's also the way that I see the bullying in a way is when my buddies back then, they saw me on the floor, you know, they saw me on the floor. They was behind like doing what Apollo Creed was doing, raising his fist. Yeah, I've won. But then now they're turning around and going, huh? <laughs> Why is this guy getting back up? Why is this guy doing this? And I love that round. I love listening to Rocky because it motivates me so much. Nice. I, do you know what? It'd be fascinating just to get you back on at some other point just to talk about mindset. Because I think the way you describe yeah. how powerful the brain is and everything, I think is, is exactly what people need to hear. Because um, you are right. The brain is the most powerful instrument we have. And it looks like you're harnessing yours to its full potential at the moment. And it's, it's so great to hear. Oh, thank you. No, no, thank you. Thank you for saying that sort of stuff. Sometimes when it comes from people who are like, well, I know you like to say you're successful because you're happy, but because you've been successful in your field as well. Like, I think it's really good to hear people saying that because, yeah, sometimes it can go over people's heads just how, how yeah. impressive they can be for themselves, isn't it? And um, I think you've just hit that perfectly on the head. So um, I think that's fantastic. But yeah, um, yeah, I think we'll we'll try and get you on at a later stage during the year for I, a mindset. I'd love to come back. I reckon. <laughs> um, so, Brendan, for everyone who's listened to you, Dave, been inspired to you or want to follow your journey, how can they find you? What social media platforms are you on and your names and everything? So I'm on Twitter, Instagram and Twitch mainly. I have a YouTube channel, but to be honest, I don't really upload to it. <laughs> so, but I, on my Twitter and Instagram, uh, just search in Brendan Lee 72 or Brendan Lee to Instagram as well. Um, Either way, they should be the top search. If you just type in Brenda Lee, it should be the top search. Um, and then you can find me. And if you listen to the podcast, drop me a message onto Instagram because Twitter, it's harder to check. Instagram, it's easier. But drop me a message on Instagram and we'll have the, we'll have a quick chat. Nice. Oh, fantastic. I'll let everyone know that you can drop your message on Instagram. That's brilliant. But no, yeah, honestly, I think in a, in a couple of months' time, yeah, if you're free again, and we can have a proper in-depth discussion about that that mindset and being mentally strong. You know, definitely. I'd love to. I'd love to. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much. I know when I originally emailed you, I said this would be about 20, 30 minutes maximum. But we've gone for an hour now, but it's been <laughs> fascinating talking to you, Brendan. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I've loved it as well. And I, I can be a bit of a waffle sometimes, but I've actually enjoyed this. <laughs> no, uh, it's been a pleasure. Um, so, yes, thank you very much, Brendan. Thank you for watching our podcast today. If you enjoyed it, don't forget to hit that subscribe button to make sure you never miss out on the new ones we post every Monday and Wednesday. If you are interested in enrolling yourself or someone else into the British Online School, be sure to visit our website, britishonlineschool.co.uk, or you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and send us a direct message there as well. Just use the handle at Brit Online School, spelled S-C-H, 
And you can find all our links below. Have a fantastic day and we look forward to seeing you again soon.